Hello and welcome to News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. I'm Suzanne Blimson, Executive Editor, and I'm here with our Economics Editor, Chris Giles, to discuss technology and tax. Most tax authorities can't see directly where people are spending their money. They rely on tax returns, which are time-consuming and not always accurate. But the technology exists to link cash registers and sales systems directly to the tax authorities, and this system is already in use in Russia. Chris, you visited Russia's tax service in Moscow and were shown the technology they're using. What did you make of it? Well, it's completely mind-blowing. In fact, when you go into the office, which is just like a normal office building, a bit of a Soviet building from the outside, very high security to get in. And I think I was the first international journalist who's been invited to come and see it. But inside, they have a mock-up of a regional tax office, which interestingly is painted orange because they were worried about colours and red had sort of connotations with the Soviet era. And so they chose orange as their colour. And then inside there, they've got this auditorium with a whole wall, sort of five metres by four metres of video screen, where they do displays of their technology for people. And I just was very lucky to be shown it by their tax commissioner, Mikhail Mishtusin who is a bit of a larger-than-life character and wanted to show exactly what they can do. And, I mean, just to give an example of what they can do, he said to me, and he didn't know, he said, where did you stay last night? So I told him the hotel I was staying in, and then he got his staff to go and find that on a sort of internet map, a version of Google Maps, something like that, and we zoomed in to the hotel. And then you can see the little markers, you click on the markers, and then within there you can see all the times the hotel has used its cash register, all the money it's taken in at any time. So they clicked on last night, and then they said, did you have a coffee? And I said, I did. And they said, they look up under food and drink, because they've got an AI system which reads the receipts, so they can then split that into different categories. And they looked up and said, well, there were six coffees, two cappuccinos, a latte and uh, an espresso or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said. He said, one of those was yours, wasn't it? And it was. And um, <laughs> Quite chilling. And it's quite, and it's really qu- quite, quite <laughs> remarkable how much they know. They didn't know that it was me who'd spent the money. So the idea here is not to try and know everything that Susan Bloomson or Chris Giles is spending, but is to know what is being sold. So every cash register in Russia, by law has to be linked directly to the tax office. And so every transaction, they get an electronic receipt within 90 seconds. I was going to say, is it real time? But real time, yeah. 90 seconds, whether That's it's amazing. from Vladivostok in the Far East to St. Petersburg in the West. And so they can see that they have two huge data centres. They must be huge. And they are enormous, taking in billions of transactions yeah. every day. And... On the home screen of this system is like a counter and it's counting up the VAT that they're racking in at any time so he can see at any stage how much they've collected that day. And the idea is mostly it's an anti-fraud device because they had a lot of problems with fraud where people were doing things cash in hand, doing things under the counter, not reporting it. And by doing this, of course, people can still do these sorts of transactions and not report them, but not on the cash register because they can't manipulate the cash register. There's no way to turn that system off. They can't. That's impossible because it's automatically linked. And by law, you can't use a cash register that isn't automatically linked. But then they can look quite quickly with AI to look at patterns. So if one shop didn't seem to be selling enough, they could then go and visit it and maybe do some mystery shopping there and see whether they'd be asked if they want to do this off the books or not. So that's how they've been using the technology to find where people were defrauding the Russian state. 
How long has it been in operation and what's been the impact on revenue collection? So they started this digitisation process in 2014 and it's been in operation for a couple of years now and getting sort of more and more sophisticated. There's this and the other place, there's a lot of fraud. One is at the retail end and one is in the supply chain where essentially traders go missing. After charging someone else the VAT, they don't then give it to the authorities. So this is called missing trader fraud. And so every invoice throughout the whole supply chain has to be sent to them and they can match them up. So where people have asked for a refund of VAT, they can match it up with who's paid. And very quickly they can find if companies aren't handing over the money they should be. Or whether there's a certain tax official somewhere in the country, because it's linked to the specific person, whether there's someone who might be corrupt. What's happened is they don't have necessarily have a great VAT system, but they've got rid of a huge amount of the evasion that was going on within the system. So that even though the Russian economy has barely grown over the last four years, since 2014 to 2018, there's only been in total about 2 to 3% growth over those four years because oil prices have plunged and they had a deep recession. VAT revenue has gone up by about 30%. So they're very popular with Putin at the moment as a tax authority because they're actually raising money even though the economy's not doing very well. I mean, the wider implications, if you move away from Russia a little bit, is that almost in every country we have governments under quite a lot of budgetary pressure, but also populations who don't really want to accept tax increases and we know we've got ageing populations coming down the road. Is this therefore one sort of way that you can increase revenues. And so when you talk to people at the OECD who are sort of gently trying to persuade other countries to adopt similar systems, they're saying this is an easier way to collect the money that is owed, get rid of evasion, and hopefully then that can improve trust in government as well. Because if you have a system where there's a lot of fraud and a lot of evasion, then actually by making the system much better and using digital technology where people don't necessarily have to file returns, it just is done automatically, that can improve trust. So long as, of course, that the government itself is a trustworthy government and doesn't have bigger transparency or corruption problems. Which is exactly why it's quite strange that Russia's become one of the first countries to adopt this technology. How did that come about? Well, it's really interesting because we know that Russia in itself scores very badly on sort of international comparisons of corruption and transparency. And I think essentially it was a need to collect the revenues. And what they did, Putin hired people who were specialists in technology to go into the Russian tax authority and change the way it operated rather than a whole bunch of economists, which is the normal way of doing it, who then go and sort of design something and then tell technologists to go and meet that design. And they did it the other way around. Could they apply that system to other areas? Yes, yeah, so they are applying it already in many other parts of their tax system. But the other thing that is really new is that they designed a tax system for people who work in the gig economy. So the equivalent of Uber drivers or people who are doing very small services, which were essentially almost impossible to tax because people weren't declaring any of this money. And they thought, well... It's quite hard to get people to fill in long self-employment tax returns, which lots of other countries have, where you here's your income, here's your expenses, here's your profit, and we'll take a bit of that as tax. They thought, well, let's try and do something just really simple. We'll make it voluntary, so you can do all the filling in your details. But if you want, you can opt into a different system where you just give us 4% of any money you earn. There's no deductions or anything like that. And they have it low enough that they're finding a lot of people do it. In. And they've got all the 
big gig companies like Airbnb, Uber, and all those to link into the system itself. So the money gets taken off automatically before it gets given to the people. You get an account at the end. You can see at any time what you've paid, what you've earned. But it's very new and it's voluntary at the moment. It's only come in this year. It's an app. It's on a phone and you can set yourself up very, very quickly as an individual who wants to, you know, get your flat out for Airbnb or something. And you can do that. In fact, they did that with my phone within, you know, two minutes. And that feels like something that could actually be globally adopted for gig economy. Absolutely. And I think lots of other countries are slightly reluctant to try and force the big tech companies to give up their data, whereas Russia... They do it easily. Well, they said they did it easily. I mean, I think, you know, if you pass a law and they did, and they clearly don't have the same privacy constraints that some mature democracies have. And they've just told companies, if you want to operate here, this is part of the deal of operating here and you've got to do it. It might not be quite so easy in Europe. It would be pretty hard. Although that said, some of the VAT systems, Russia wasn't the first. So in Europe, you see there are similarly technologically advanced systems in places like Portugal. They don't quite have the same ability to know exactly what's on every receipt, but each cash register again goes to a data warehouse. So they know the amounts are going through cash registers. And that was introduced earlier than in Russia. And there, because they're evasion problem was often a collusion between let's say a restaurant and its customers where they say oh we'll do this without VAT if you just do it cash in hand and the way to try and get round that collusion was to say that if you put your own personal tax number as a customer onto the receipt that receipt would then be entered into a lottery every week and there'll be a car given away every week and now in certain sectors you get a little deduction off your own income tax if you put your own tax number onto a receipt and apparently it's really changed the culture so instead of people saying do you want this cash in hand people say do you want your tax number on your receipt now and so that has really changed the culture there. Well, Russia, as we've said, is not exactly a model of transparency and, in fact, scores very poorly on international league tables of corruption. But do you think that the system could help clean things up in the wider Russian society? Well, I'm not sure about that. I think these these things get actually rather difficult. If at the top of government they still want to be creaming off money, then it's not going to solve those sorts of problems. But it does get rid of the sort of low-level tax avoidance, tax evasion, which can actually add up to a lot of money if it's pretty prevalent. And what are the pitfalls of a system that kind of suggests Big Brother surveillance is in use? Doesn't it amount to spying on Russia's citizens? Are they not bothered about that? They don't seem to be. And the evidence around the world so far is that people aren't that bothered by it. But that's because I don't think there's been any examples of it being misused yet. If it is misused, I think it is potentially quite a dangerous technology. And so there's this really quite difficult trade-off between something that works much better, collects tax more efficiently, can increase trust in government if it means that everyone feels that the tax system is fair, that everyone has to pay the same amount. But equally, if government starts to use this information because they are collecting just extraordinary amounts of information, they could be used in quite a sinister way. And this is the very difficult trade-off. I think the only way you get round that in a mature democracy is to have very clear guidelines on what can and can't be done with that data and make sure you have independent judiciary that can protect people against the state. But clearly the state will know a lot more about people. Are there plans to draw up universal standards to prevent abuses of this technology? 
Yeah, this is what the OECD in Paris, the sort of international organisation which tries to use soft power to try and get countries to look at ways to introduce this sort of technology in sensible ways. They're in the middle of trying to set up standards so that the technology can be used in good ways and prevent abuses of privacy. So the head of that part of the office told me that essentially they really want to avoid having an oppressive state, having Big Brother, but the defence is standards and that is the work in progress. Um, finally, are we going to see this coming to the UK? We're going to see it sort of, but I don't think we're going to see this particular technology. It's going to be a sort of much softer version of it. We already have making tax digital program in VAT and real-time information and income tax. And these digital systems in the tax system are going to be expanded over time. But I think quite slowly, we're not going to see any big bang or data centres being built or by law cash registers being linked to the tax office anytime soon. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on opposition to Turkey's President Erdogan, the decline in sterling, or the LSE's acquisition of Refinitiv, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.